George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Once again, it's me, Dan Myler, leading the way, and I got Ryan McDowell and Matt Price with me. Once again, we'll continue our division preview series we already covered in the last few weeks. Every other division outside of the AFC and NFC North, and what do you know what those are the two we're going to cover this week. I'd ask you guys how you're doing, but I know you're both doing well, so let's get right to things. I'm going to ask you each a couple of dynasty-relevant questions about each team in these two divisions, as we have over the last three weeks, and uh, I'll chime in with uh, some nuggets of my own as we go along. We're going to start in the NFC North this week and start with the division-winning Minnesota Vikings from last season. Uh, fellas, we'll start with Ryan, I guess. Recent news suggests Latavius Murray could cut into Delvin Cook's workload in 2018. Considering Cook's injury a year ago, are you as a Cook owner concerned about this news that has recently broke uh no (laughs) no i'm not i think that's pretty much just an example of camp talk coach speak whatever you want to call it i looked at the numbers last year once cook went down that offense changed and and with the success they had you know you can argue if if that was a good change or a bad change, I guess. But with Cook, they were running 54% of the time. Once he went down, they ran just 48% of the time. Their run success rate without Cook went from 52 to 42%. And even their yards per carry went from 4.3 to 3.8. So all of their rushing numbers went down without Cook. They were they were simply not as good of a running team without Cook, which, which seems pretty obvious. So I'm not worried about Murray when it comes to Cook. I am worried about Cook and this injury history. He's he's had multiple shoulder injuries, that a bad ankle, of course the ACL last year. If I'm a Cook owner and and I am in a couple leagues, that's what I'm more worried about rather than Latavius Murray. Right, and and Vikings brass has to have that same feeling. You know, they have to they have to feel as if while we have this great talent that seems a little bit fragile. He has a big injury history, and he was rolling for us last year. And, and what do you know? After a big workload, four weeks in, he goes down with an injury. Now, I question, Matt, if that workload last year has a little bit to do with Latavius Murray. If we remember back to a year ago, he wasn't activated until uh, a month into the season, maybe even a little bit more than that. And 
more of the workload had to fall on the then rookie's shoulders with Delvin Cook. He he got a lot of carries over those first few weeks. Uh, in the first three weeks, he had he had twenty plus carries in two of those games and was catching three to five passes in each game. It seemed like you know that workload is a lot for a young player and especially one for with a injury history like Ryan talked about, Matt. What are your thoughts on Cook's injury history, and, and are you concerned about what they're talking about with Latavius Murray having this kind of role in Minnesota? The injury history is definitely concerning. He has kind of a laundry list of injuries there. Um, I, I, I mostly agree with Ryan, though, that Murray is not, not going to be really a factor for, for what Cook's going to get. You know, there's, there's only a handful of, of true bell cow backs, and most, most, most situations now are running back by committee. So that doesn't really concern me. I think, I think he could uh, you know, steal a handful of touchdowns and, and maybe reduce Cook's upside a little bit there. But I, think, I don't think that's stuff you can really count on. But the thing that really concerns me about with this, this offense is the offensive line. You know, in, in 2016, they were one of the worst in the league. We thought that was going to be the case again in 2017 but they kind of gelled and got better and and, and proved that they could uh, be a you know at least uh, at least a mediocre offensive line but now this offseason you know we've had injuries up and down the line uh, they they're, their starting center retired they their, their next in line guy has been hurt all offseason and, and might start on pup uh, and they traded the, uh, the Giants a seventh round pick for for still another guy so uh, at, at the center position there so it's it's kind of an up and down line and and, and if we have this whole situation where we're going to have starters in and out and and uh, a not non-cohesive unit there, then that concerns me for both of those guys. So um, I, I really think that this this attack, I think everybody wants to say it's going to be a heavy rushing attack with as good as their defense is, but I, I think we might see a heavier offensive uh, uh, passing attack from these this team than uh, we might, might have thought in, uh, earlier in the offseason. Yeah, I could see the same thing happening, especially with the acquisition of Kirk Cousins. They have to feel pretty comfortable with their quarterback and so- considering where they were a year ago in those wide receivers. Speaking of the wide receivers, it seems like that new starter under center, Kirk Cousins, has eyes mostly for Stephon Diggs rather than Adam Thielen throughout this preseason. I've had a chance to watch each or at least most of each of their three preseason games, and it seems like Cousins is looking towards Diggs more than he is Thielen. It seems like there's some miscommunication between Thielen and Cousins and not so much with Diggs and Cousins. It's It really feels to me like this could be the a sign of things to come in the regular season, Matt, that this could be that breakout year from Diggs that many have expected and, and many are and have caused many of us to move him into our top 12 or some even into the top 10 at wide receiver. What do you think of how this is going to shake out in Minnesota among these top two pass catchers between Diggs and Thielen? I think they're both very safe. I do think that Diggs has the higher upside. Um, just He's a better athlete. He's, he's the down-the-field threat. He, he's going to play on the outside, whereas Thielen is going, to, is going to play out of the slot, as far as we know anyway, at this point in the, in the, in the process. So I, I think Thielen has a pretty high floor. Um, but I think the real the real interesting part about this offense is that their their depth chart is pretty shallow at wide receiver. I mean, after after Diggs and Thielen, there's not much that we're super excited about. You know, maybe deeper dynasty. We're still hanging on to Treadwell, and and of course uh, Kyle Rudolph is there, and and Kirk Cousins likes to use the tight end. We know. So, but outside of those top three options, I don't think they're that deep. So I think both of these guys are are, are probably going to end up as wide receiver twos, with with Diggs having a, a shot to break into that low end wide receiver one range, like you, you talked about there. Yeah, I think that 
potential exists. If, if For anybody that has watched the Vikings in the preseason, it seems like Cousins and Diggs are clicking, that they are really finding a rhythm. In fact, Diggs in only a half a play this past week had eight targets, cost four of them for 51 yards. Thielen still had six, but there was multiple times where I felt there was a miscommunication uh, where Thielen looked back at the quarterback like, oh, you wanted me to be over there. And that that just doesn't feel good for a dynasty owner that has Thielen on their roster. And especially considering the breakout that Thielen had a year ago, the expectation is that he'll, he'll, he might be evil, even be able to expand on those numbers with the, what is con- widely considered as a better quarterback, Ryan, what do you feel about these two receivers? Who's the better one to own? And does it really seem to you that Diggs is in line for that breakout year? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, this he seems like a guy that almost everybody, um, you know, everybody in the industry or, or really just all dynasty players are kind of in sync on this, that this is his his time, his year to, to really break out. I just hope we can see a full 16 game season from him and really see him starting to hit that upside that we, we know he has, but overall I I totally agree with Matt. Um, Even if we see some regression from Thielen and it it does kind of seem like that's a possibility with a potential breakout and, uh, and with the change at quarterback, I still think, feel like they're safe and and Diggs has that wide receiver one upside even if Thielen falls to a back end wide receiver two still a pretty good value where he's going yeah he certainly is and really we haven't seen any kind of threat from any other receiver there there was talk in OTAs that potentially Kendall Wright could move into the slot pushing Thielen outside that really hasn't materialized Laquan Treadwell uh is doing Laquan Treadwell type things and just drowning in mediocrity of course Kyle Rudolph is going to do his thing at tight end to get his targets as well we'll see who that top receiver is in Minnesota whoever it is though all of us dynasty owners will want him on our rosters let's move over to Detroit with the Lions they have a rookie running back in Carrion Johnson who is picking up steam in dynasty drafts he's going as high as third overall according to DLF's latest ADP that comes over to us from my fantasy league. Uh, it's it's really interesting to me that that Carryon Johnson has jumped Ryan from fringe round one, round two, right around the turn. Now is being considered in the top three or four draft picks in late rookie draft drafts, especially considering the other names on the depth chart. We got Blunt in in place. Amir Abdullah is still there, of course. Theo Riddick is still in place as that pass catcher. How good does Carrion Johnson have to be, Ryan, for rook, for dynasty owners to feel good about picking him as high as third overall in rookie drafts at this time next year? Well, we we know that change. We know why that change is happening, uh, and it's really just um, by default or, or a process of elimination with uh, injuries to to Penny and Geis and. Um, and Sony Michelle as well, and then other guys like Ronald Jones, um, and, and again Penny, just really struggling with this this early transition to the league. Carry uh, on, Johnson has been fine. He's been solid uh, in in preseason and and according to all reports that we've seen in in training camp as well. 
And at this point, that's enough to to move up in, in these late rookie drafts, like you said. As far as how good he has to be early, I, I think we've and we saw this happen with wide receivers a few years ago, but I think we we've been spoiled as dynasty owners. If you look at last year's rookies, hunt was RB three. Kamara was RB four Fournette RB eight, uh, Christian McCaffrey RB 15. So we're, we're looking at these, at these rookies this year and, and we have similar expectations. So honestly, I think if you're drafting carry on Johnson is, uh, third overall in this rookie draft, you're probably expecting to be able to start him every week as your RB2 or, or a flex spot. And I'm not sure that's that's realistic at this point. Yeah, real realistic indeed. I, I can't see it happening. Uh, trotting him out in week one as an RB2 seems risky to me with those guys that I mentioned, Matt, Riddick, Blunt, and Abdullah. They're all, they seem to have roles on this team, which means on Johnson has to pick up what's left. Now, maybe that's most of the first and second down carries between the 20s in Detroit, Matt, but that's that's not enough to pick him in the top five in a rookie draft in late August, is it? I, I go back and forth on this one. I'll start off by answering your, the first question of where he has how high he has to finish. I think running back to you. I think if he finishes as like a top 20 guy, I think you're going to feel pretty good about drafting him, even inside the top five there, because next year, Blunt is not going to be there. There's a chance Riddick's not there, and I don't think Abdullah is going to be there for sure. Um, so uh, I, I think I, I think what you said there about being used between the 20s is accurate, but I, I honestly think he's better than LeGarrette Blunt at this point. Uh, I think we, he for sure is better than Amir Abdul, at least in terms of what the, the team thinks about him. So in terms of threats, yeah, there are three guys there, and they're probably all going to get a handful of carries or, or receptions here or there. But I think the only one you really have to worry about for his fantasy production is going to be Theo Riddick, who is probably going to catch you know 50 to 60 passes again. So he may lose a little bit of PPR upside there, but I, I do think that he's going to take take over as the, the early down back for sure. Um, and, and really for it to be on the field the, the most largest percent of the time, I bet he gets a, you know, in the 50 to 60% range uh, workload wise there. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with them after uh, obviously Saquon. I'm okay with them. Uh, I mean, depending on where you have Geist there, I probably want him more than uh, uh, Penny at this point. I think there's an argument to be taking him above Michelle at this point. Um, so I, I could see it as a top five guy. I probably would have him in that in that five right or in that five to six range myself. Uh, and, and and depending on how you feel about those wide receivers, because I think that's one thing that's getting lost here in in terms of the rookie draft order is that those wide receivers are still getting pushed down, um, whereas maybe they're they're the ones that should be considered at that you know one hundred two to one hundred five range at this point. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. It's just too risky for me with Johnson. When you when you look at that roster, like you mentioned, Riddick is going to catch those passes, so so Johnson isn't going to get that. And then it seems to me as if Blunt has, was brought in for a role, and, and, and it's most likely that that role is going to be that goal line guy, the short yardage guy. If they get inside the five, it seems like Blunt is going to get that first crack at least. So if, if he's not getting touchdowns, or, or at least not the short yardage touchdowns, and he's not catching the ball out of the backfield, it seems like that ceiling is capped at least in his rookie season. And that scares me as a dynasty owner, especially when we considered him a fringe first rounder just a month ago. Let's move on to the Lions pass catchers, Matt. It's really interesting to me, this group. I'm wondering, because there's 
there's some intrigue among these guys. Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, the young guy as well, all mixing in. How likely is it is it that all that the top three Lions receivers are all at least flex plays in 2018, as many dynasty owners expect? And and how with the three of them, or how will the three of them be valued in August of 2019? So I think it's maybe pretty likely. I think they're in a similar situation to Minnesota, except for they don't really have a tight end to go with it because that depth chart again is just so shallow at wide receiver. They have. They have Tate and they have Jones and they have Galladay and that's that's going to be their the primary uh, pass catchers in that offense and I don't think there's enough behind them to really take too much away from those guys so I think Jones and, and Tate are obviously are going to be locks I think to to be flex plays are better and and Galladay I think is going to be startable on on a lot of weeks too uh, you know if nothing else on bye weeks and things like that so uh, I, I think it's pretty likely in terms of their value next year I definitely think that we see Tate and and Jones fall quite a bit. Um, Tate worries me a little bit because the age Jones isn't much younger than him but the part that worries me about Jones and going forward from from 2019 and on is that him and Galladay do a lot of the same things so uh, if they want to move on or move move to the young guy or cut a cut a contract from from Jones and move on that way then um, I think that's something they could do if if Galladay performs this season so uh, I think all I think those two are going to fall you know maybe they're going to fall into the you know uh, I don't have the the ADP up in front of me right now but I would guess they're going to fall pretty pretty far maybe outside of the wide receiver three range they're probably pretty close to that right now um and and Galladay could if he performs could be moving up to that same so right now you know next season we could be looking at all these guys as valued similarly and in most of the cases the tie is going to go to the age so Galladay is going to win out in that scenario Ryan it seems to me I, I also had the chance to watch quite a bit of that Lions Buccaneers game the other day as well and it seemed to me like Galladay was on the field a lot with that starting unit Stafford targeted him five times of course Galladay only made one catch but it was for 36 yards is this just preseason talk does it seem like Galladay is just getting a really good look because it seems to me like he's going to be on the field as much or more than these vets and we could be seeing a big change in how these Lions receivers are valued in Dynasty over the next nine months. Yeah, it seems that the coaching staff is is at least open to that. Um, I, I looked back, and back to your question about all three guys finishing in that flex range, I looked at the past eight seasons um, for teammates that finished in the top 48 of fantasy wide receivers it's happened 18 times in the past eight years it's happened every single year uh, at least once since 2010 so uh, and if you look across the league there's a few different teams who could uh, potentially be that that team this year and but the Lions are certainly one of them and then when you think about the ADP of those those veterans Tate is wide receiver 23 right now. He's 30 years old. Jones, wide receiver 26 at 28 years old. And then Galladay actually looks like a major value at wide receiver 48. But he is already 25 years old, which, of course, that's that's not old, but it's it's the same age as Odell Beckham, who is our wide receiver one, Michael Thomas, our wide receiver four. So just thinking about that, and, and he came in the league a little bit older at – it it makes me think there might be a cap on his upside at, at like wide receiver, low end wide receiver two value. Maybe maybe he gets into the twenties uh, this time next year. But I, I don't know if he's ever a guy that we're going to see as uh, 
as a top 10 or 15 wide receiver. Yeah, I think lots of dynasty owners who invested a second round draft pick in Galladay a year ago would be just fine with him being in the 20s and be a startable guy week in and week out as 2019 approaches. Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. They finished third in the division last year, Matt, to our uh, dismay, I guess. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the running backs there. And I'm going to start with you, Matt, because you you seem to be a little bit of a Jamal Williams fan. You lean towards Williams, or have at least, in the past. And I'm sure you have. I, I know I have as well. I've watched the Packers in the preseason. Aaron Jones finally got on the field this past week against Oakland, and he showed a lot of the things that made a lot of us Aaron Jones truthers excited a year ago with that explosiveness now despite only only running for under 20 yards on 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 his five or six touches Jones seemed like he was that shot in the arm that the Packers running game could need uh it seems like a foregone conclusion for a lot of dynasty owners at least that Williams is going to get this first shot he's going to run with it in the opening weeks of the season, and Jones will play a secondary role once he returns after his suspension. I'm wondering, once Williams has had that chance and Jones is back, and we're in the second month of the NFL season, which Packers running back is going to be the starter there, and how useful will that guy be in fantasy? I do kind of think that Jones is going to going to take over once he comes back. Maybe not right away. Maybe it's week four, week five. Um, but you know, I mean, right now, I know it's not a not a big injury, but Jamal Williams got banged up with that ankle. Ty Montgomery's nursing the foot thing. So uh, Aaron Jones earlier this offseason had had a, had a had a leg injury. So it, it's starting to look like it's going to be whichever one of these guys is the healthiest. And and if Jones is going to get that extended break because of the two game suspension, and he's going to come back and show that he's the most explosive player on the field. Uh, uh, in that backfield then then I, I really do think it's going to be him now now what it could come down to is if he's really gotten that much better as a pass protector because I do think that that Jamal Williams is the best pass protector of the bunch and maybe one of the best in, in the class last season to come out um, so if if that offensive line isn't looking good and, and Aaron Rodgers isn't staying up on his feet then then it very well could be Williams as the lead back uh, in most situations there but in terms of fantasy fantasy I definitely want to have Aaron Jones there and in terms of expectations if, if you know if he can take the full-time gig or, or, or the largest the largest share of the pie I guess you could say then I think he could be a you know kind of a mid to late running back to situation with with obviously big explosive weeks um, thrown in there for uh, for the bigger game so uh, I, w- I still lean Jones but uh, at this point but I, I mean I still like Williams too it's just it's really hard with this three and I think that's me me fumbling over my words here is really how the entire community kind of feels like it at this point with these three and in the end I think maybe it's just going to be who ends up healthy it really feels to me like it's a black and white situation here to me uh, easily Jones is, is the most explosive player in that backfield he's the guy I would like to get carries but I don't trust Mike McCarthy to make the right decision especially when it comes to personnel on the field outside of the quarterback position Ryan do you have anything to add here to to the, the debate between Jones and Williams and who should be on the field and who would help dynasty owners more yeah I think this is this is another example where almost everyone seems to be in agreement that Jones is the guy with the higher upside. Honestly, I'm just starting to wonder if either one of these guys is the long-term answer. I looked at at how they played when they were both on the field last year. 
they had eight games where they both played together in those those eight games only Williams had uh, Williams averaged 10 PPR points and a total of 13 touches for 56 yards Jones had six and a half PPR points seven touches for 37 yards so Williams does uh, does have that floor I think everybody would probably agree with that as well and and Jones the ceiling but they both maybe the most important thing to consider is they both had injury issues last year and and do again this offseason. So I won't be really won't be surprised if uh, a, a priority for the Packers in this upcoming offseason a year from now is is to add a running back. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think both of you kind of touched on it, it all comes back to who's healthy and whomever that is is probably going to be useful to dynasty owners, but I don't think anybody is expecting a running back one season out of that Packers backfield. If the dynasty owners anywhere are looking for production in Green Bay, it's going to come from the passing game and those pass catchers and, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of those pass catchers, it was Adams, it's Cobb, and it's Jimmy Graham. Those guys are the Green Bay pass catchers that dynasty owners are interested in most, Ryan, is there another Packers receiver you want for 2018 or maybe even beyond? Yeah, actually, I'm 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 actually interested in all all four of these guys when you think about Geronimo Allison and then the three rookies they've added. Um, there hasn't been exactly glowing reports, especially about Jamon Moore, who's even been rumored to uh, not make the 53 man roster, but. What I think about with these four guys is, first of all, they're all cheap. They're all fairly easy to acquire, whether you're drafting uh, in a late startup or if you're looking to take a shot on them and trade or or maybe even sitting on the waiver wire. And then secondly, and most importantly, they're they're tied to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, We've already heard Randall Cobb trade rumors, and it it won't be a surprise at all if this is Cobb's last year with the team. and and I know we have high hopes for Jimmy Graham, but uh, he's he's of course getting up there as well. So um, there's a good chance that one of these guys is is a starter in 2019. And if I can get two or three of them for really cheap on deep rosters, then I'm very interested. The issue is picking which one, and and that's that's the question. I I I'm not even sure at this point. Yeah, I've diversified. Ryan and and Matt, maybe you can shed some light on this. I, I I've been picking up each one of these guys and even spilled into the the market for Jake uh, Kumaro, uh, who had a big preseason and and has had had some uh, nice comments brought to brought to light from Aaron Rodgers and that coaching staff. I, like Ryan, am not sure which one of these guys. There are days when I feel like it's Equinemia St. Brown and, and what Ryan talked about there with Randall Cobb and, and the potential for him to move on, and he is in a contract year. So it seems like in 2019 it's going to be somebody else manning the slot. St. Brown is the guy that is playing in the slot in the second halves of games, even in the first half of games with starters. Uh, Valdez Scantling is playing on the outside along with all those other names we've talked about, including Moore and and Geronimo Allison and D'Angelo Yancey and, and, and the rest of the crew. This is a mess, and if anybody can figure it out, please 
tweet me because I'd love to know which one to get. I'm buying all of them in different places, Matt. Who are you picking? It's funny you mentioned that. I have one. I have one team where three of the five taxi spots are, are those three rookie wide receivers because I got them all so cheap in, in the auction. So uh, just just hoping for one of them to work out. Um, and then you mentioned Kumaro. He's definitely looked the best of any of them this this preseason. And and you know Rogers is kind of one of those guys that that when. Uh, he, he talks about who he likes. It's usually a good idea to listen. It's, it's worked out for us in the past. So um, Kumaro seems like an awful long shot, but it's possible he's the guy. I think the one that's really interesting for this year, but again, I think it's probably just for this year, is, is Allison. Um, he's the most experienced there. Uh, Rogers seems to be the most comfortable with him and all that stuff. Uh, so maybe it's Allison for this year and then one of those rookies or, or maybe even Kumaro take over next year. But uh, that, that's kind of the direction I'm leaning right now is is, is uh, Allison for 2018 and, and one of the other guys for, for next year. Or maybe it's maybe it's none of them for this year, honestly. Maybe it all just goes to, to Adams, Cobb, and, and, and Graham, and they, they figure it out next year. But then next season, you know, the, the 2019 class of wide receivers is pretty deep and, and interesting too. So if none of these guys are the answer this year, then, then maybe it's somebody from 2019 class. I think somebody makes a splash. I, I really do. Somebody's going to play that outside receiver spot opposite Adams, and they're going to be on the field quite a bit. And whether that's Valdez, Scantling, or Allison, those seem like the most likely. Kumaro has, has a little bit of momentum. Um, but I think dynasty owners, especially those like Ryan said, that are in deep leagues, should be s- scooping these guys up and hoping for the best because you never know what will happen and anybody attached to Aaron Rodgers could could make a splash. I, I think you're never going to feel good about starting any of these guys this year, though. I mean, unless there's an injury or, or some bad play from one of those top three guys, then I just I just don't think you're going to really ever feel comfortable with it. So I don't, I don't feel good in week one, but I could see a scenario where even with good health by week five, when the buys and injuries are setting in, one of these guys are fitting into flex spots. And you're at least looking for, well, this guy's already caught two long touchdowns. Maybe I can catch catch lightning in a bottle here and, and get a third one. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a spot for dynasty owners to put these guys, one of these guys, into their lineup in 2018. Let's quickly go to the Chicago Bears. Guys, in that backfield... Uh, Dynasty owners seem to be split evenly between Jordan Howard and then the young guy with Tariq Cohen, uh, pass catcher versus that bruising tailback. In full PPR leagues, Ryan, which Bears running back is more valuable at this time in 2019? I still think it'll be Jordan Howard. Uh, We've heard the coach speak from um, Matt Nagy about uh, their plans to use Jordan Howard on third downs. And, and then we've seen that play out in preseason. Uh, I think, I think that's actually one of the big takeaways from this preseason is, is how they, how they have used him. Um, so I, I still think it will be Howard. I, I do expect uh, Cohen to get more playing time than he did last year. I know a lot of people, myself included, were frustrated with his uh, up and down playing time and usage uh, under John Fox. So I, I expect kind of more consistency with Cohen's role, but, um, but yeah, Howard's Howard's still the starter there. And, and I expect him to be at this point next year as well. I kind of expect that, or, or that feels like what you should expect, but there's all these whispers about Tariq Cohen playing in the slot and moving around the formation and trying to get both of these guys on the field at the same time. And, and, Playing a little bit of that Tariq 
uh, Tyreek Hill role I that that Nagy made so popular over the last couple of years in Kansas City. Matt, what are your thoughts on Cohen and how much he can make an impact for dynasty owners this year with Howard getting all this buzz throughout the preseason? I, I, yeah, I'm with Ryan. I, th- I think it's still Howard. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I, th- I think, is going to be fun to watch and he's going to have big games. But I, again, I, I just don't know i don't know if he's going to get to the point consistency wise that you're going to want to start him in any any definitely any any given week you know maybe if they have a tough matchup uh, on the ground against a, a top run defense maybe you're going to feel good about plugging him as a flex play but in terms of consistency i just don't think you're going to do it and, and in terms of him playing in the slot uh, I, I i don't really see that happening either i'm doing a little bit of spoiler alert here for your next question but i think anthony miller is going to play out of the slot all the time and he's going to be so good that uh, you're not going to want to take him out of that position so um i just don't I don't know. I don't, I don't see, see Cohen eclipsing Howard in 2019 at this point. Yeah, it seems like this Bear t- Bears team has taken such a big jump in overall talent, especially at the skill positions, bringing in Allen Robinson. Taylor Gabriel came over. They got Anthony Miller in the draft. They signed Trey Burton. They already have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen in place. Mitchell Trubisky is expected to take a step forward in 2018. It seems like this team overall should be more explosive. They got the better, the maybe not better, better shouldn't be the word uh, I chose there, but the new coaching staff that is a little more open to using players to their best ability. Uh, gosh, that sounds like better to me, but, no, but I, I think <laughs> try to sidestep that. I think better was correct. Okay, all right, <laughs> we'll go with better. Seems like a better coaching staff to me, especially considering the talent on the roster. We'll send it back to you right away, Matt. Considering each of these players' price, all these pass catchers and, and position players – which Bears, pass catchers specifically, do you prefer for dy- per, for any of your Dynasty Robin? Boy. Considering price, Matt, which Bears pass catcher do you prefer for your Dynasty roster? Allen Robinson, currently at 26 in DLF ADP. Anthony Miller, the rookie, at 94. Or is it Trey Burton, currently at 79 in DLF ADP? I might just be riding the hype train. I don't know, but I, I do think it's Anthony Miller. I think he's the one that I want. Uh, you know, we do, you talked about that coaching staff and more willing to do things that that their players are good at. Trubisky, he only had one year of him as a starter at uh, at North Carolina there, but in that role there, if they're going to do things that he's good at, his his leading target getter was Ryan Switzer, another pretty good slot receiver. So that seems to be uh, mean good things to Anthony Miller for me. The next highest targeted guy was was had less than half of or just under just over half of the the target targets that uh, and, and receptions that that uh, Switzer did so um, I like everything that, about Miller that I've seen right now and, and I might just be getting caught up in it but uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this ride I made a couple of trades for him this offseason after rookie drafts and I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do um, uh, in 2018. Ryan what are your thoughts on these pass catchers who do you prefer considering their price? Yeah looking at these three guys the two two receivers and Trey Burton at tight end I mean, Dan, I know you and I have both been big supporters of Trey Burton uh, really throughout last year when when he got a little bit of a chance with the arts injury. Um, I don't want to I don't want to say I saw this coming because this this leap from basically being undrafted and on waiver wires to being a top five dynasty tight end before the season begins is 
much more hype than than I would have expected. And Dan, probably the the same is true for you. And this happens when you when you pick a sleeper and then he's not a sleeper anymore. At some point, you have to recognize he's no longer a good value. I still like him. I still have high expectations for him. But Trey Burton at tight end five, 80 overall or 79 overall is not a great value. I, I really do like the value of both of the wide receivers, though. Allen Robinson, I'm, I'm shocked to consistently see him outside of this top two rounds. And then Anthony Miller, barely inside the top 100, is a bit of a surprise as well. So I, I really like uh, value on both of those wide receivers. And uh, our guy, Trey Burton, is becoming a little bit overvalued at this point. Yeah, it you know, you mentioned that we've both been fans. I actually bought him early in the offseason and then sold him just recently. Uh so like all us dynasty owners saw the saw the offer in the inbox and opened it up and thought, "Holy cow, is Trey Burton really worth that much?" And Anthony Miller was one of the pieces coming back to me in that trade. So uh, I, I agree with you guys. It seems like the receivers are the values. Anthony Miller is a little low, especially considering all the publicity and all the hype that he's had throughout training camp. Uh, still good value there. And I think, like Matt, like you, Ryan, I think he's going to make a dent in, in the dynasty landscape this season. And we're going to be thinking a lot higher of him come August of 2019. Quickly, fellas, who wins the NFC North? Let's start with you, Ryan. I'm going to make you two guys happy, and I'm going to go with the Packers. Ooh, okay. Matt? Yeah, you can, I can't, I'm not picking against the Packers. Come on. I am. That <laughs> Vikings defense is good. They got a good running game. Their quarterback's better, and they won double-digit games last year. Vikings. Wait, did uh, you just say Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers? Is that what I heard? No, I. you heard their quarterback is better this year than last. Uh, the Packer fan in me wants to take the Packers. But uh, I think the Vikings are just too good. They're going to win that division. NFC North Fantasy MVP, Matt. Who you got? I'm going to go Devontae Adams. I think he's probably going to be into that, that top five discussion next next season. So uh, I'll go with him. That's a nice pick. I like that one. Ryan? Uh, I actually had Adams as well. And I, I kind of think he's already in the top five conversation. Wow. You guys are setting the world on fire. I'm not going to go with Adams, but I... I'm going to go with a Packer. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. I think I think we talked about this earlier. It's kind of the easy pick. I think he's going to push 50 touchdowns this year. They're going to have to throw the ball all over the place. But that probably means Adams gets a lot of his as well. Let's move on to the AFC North, guys, and start with the division winner over there last season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ryan, with it widely considered that Le'Veon Bell will not be in Pittsburgh next year, how confident are you that James Conner will take over the job in 2019 and be an asset for dynasty owners? Uh, I, I think he'll be an asset. Uh, I don't expect I don't I don't expect them to just hand the job to Conner. I do expect them to bring in some competition, whether it be through free agency or the draft. Uh, the the draft, at, at least at this point, kind of looks. Uh, a, a little weak as far as running back. So I, I know my buddy on the Dynasty Blueprint, Pittsburgh guy, Matt Williamson, has um, predicted that they will sign Tevin Coleman, which would be uh, a big, big, big deal in Dynasty. It would really 
boost his stock. But I, I have been impressed with Connor this year. Last year was was really a rough season for him. Um, even when he got opportunity, he didn't do much with it. But this year, through through these three preseason games, he's 14th in receiving yards among running backs. He's 15th in rushing yards among running backs. And, and I know some people would just dismiss that as uh, just preseason or might say that doesn't matter. But to me, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the balance that he's shown as both a receiver and a rusher. So I, I like Connor. I think his value is climbing, but uh, I don't think they're ready. A, a team like this that, that contends every single year, I don't think they're going to hand the job over to him. Yeah, Ryan, I echo the same, same sentiment for sure. I think his value is climbing as well, but that could present a ginormous buying window or selling window excuse me for dynasty owners because i think there is going to be another name on that depth chart come next july or august matt what are your thoughts on these running backs i know you've been a fan of connor in the past yeah i feel pretty much the same way but i think unless they do make a big free agent signing like tevin coleman um then i think he's probably got better than a 50 percent chance to be the starter next season uh, he, like you guys said, this preseason he's looked a lot more explosive. It's almost like he's either either he's either he's finally fully healthy from the the cancer stuff, or or, or maybe he's just learned to be a, a, a better pro. Um, we saw it against the Packers, five for fifty seven and a touchdown um, against the Titans this week. He was kind of bottled up in the run game, but then like Ryan said, he showed showed his ability to actually go out and catch the ball, which was a big criticism of him coming out last season in that no huddle offense against the Titans. He had six catches for fifty two yards. So um, I, I'm impressed with what. I've seen this offseason, and I think stock is definitely rising there for sure. I have that game on my DVR, and I'm looking forward to watching it just because of those pass-catching numbers from James Conner. Try to get a look at him as in that pass-catching Le'Veon Bell role to see what he could he could do potentially if he gets that starting role. Let's talk about the pass-catchers in Pittsburgh before we move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Matt, Antonio Brown, if he repeats his 2018 numbers, which is 100-plus catches, 1,500-plus yards, and nine touchdowns, and Juju Smith-Schuster improves on his stat line that included 58 catches for 917 yards and seven touchdowns, as most dynasty owners would expect, how much production can we expect out of rookie James Washington? And can his ADP of 119 in August of 2018 go up before next August. I think it's definitely going up and I think it's I think he could legit see in the the 80 80 to 90 target range, you know, uh, in the la- and for the last 5 years when Ben has been healthy and played at least 14 games, he's averaged about 566 attempts per year. So even if we give Antonio Brown his 160 to 170 targets, Juju had 79 last season, if we give him 100 this season and we give Le'Veon Bell 100, you know, there's still, you know, still still a couple hundred targets to go around for everybody else in there and Washington's been so good this this preseason that I think he, he could easily take the the lion's share of that remainder that those those top three options get. So um, I think he could easily sneak into the maybe the late wide receiver three, early wide receiver four range this season um, and have very productive games for us. We're probably not going to feel too comfortable starting him um, like some of these other guys we've talked about. But uh, I, I definitely think his ADP is rising. Uh, maybe he, he jumps into the top, you know, forty to fifty, uh, maybe the top forty re- receivers for uh, twenty nineteen. I, I think I'm right along the same line as you. I don't think any dynasty owners are, are expecting 
Darius Hayward Bay or or Eli Rogers or Justin Hunter or, or these tight ends to get a massive amount of targets. So that leaves a lot for Washington, Ryan. What are your thoughts on Washington's upside going forward and how much can he move up in ADP in the next 12 months? Yeah, I kind of played with the numbers a little bit as well. Um, so in, in Ben's career, he averages... 297 completions, uh, over 3,600 yards, 24 touchdowns. If we just assume, as you mentioned in your question, that that Brown repeats his numbers, um, Juju, give him a 10% bump on what he did last year and, and just give Le'Veon Bell his average numbers for his career, that leaves 70 completions, 574 yards, and six touchdowns for Washington, the tight ends, and everybody else. So uh, I think it's maybe a little aggressive, but if we give Washington half of that, that's a 35, 287 in a three touchdown season, 81 fantasy points, which uh, last season that would have been good for wide receiver 52. Um, So maybe, maybe that's the range we can expect to see him, which is not far off Matt's um, wide receiver four prediction. Uh, but I totally agree with Matt that his value will 100% climb. Um, and I think at uh, 119, I think you said his ADP was. Uh, I'm surprised it's still that low, honestly. I think he's pretty easily in the top 100 this time next year. Yeah. And to, to recap that, I don't think any of us are expecting, outside of an injury to either Brown or Juju, that... Washington becomes a startable dynasty player this season, but I think we'll all be looking at him with high hopes going into 2019, especially if he puts those numbers up that that you're talking about. We saw some, some acrobatic touchdowns already in this preseason. If he makes a couple of those plays in the regular season, the hype train's going to get rolling on Washington going into 2019. Let's go over to the Baltimore Ravens and start in that backfield with Alex Collins. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year, Ryan, but averaged 9, or excuse me, 5.98 yards per carry in the first eight weeks and just 3.75 after that. How confident are you that Collins holds on to the lead running back job in Baltimore through the end of 2018? Yeah, those numbers are a little bit scary for sure. Um, but I think part of that just comes with with usage. You know, of course, the more carries you get, the the harder it is to hit that uh, that five or or even six yards per carry as as Collins was was doing early in the season. Um, I, I'm fairly confident in him hanging on to this job, and if maybe more than anything else, it has to do with his competition. Um, Kenneth Dixon, I, I just don't think is. Is, is really anything special. I don't expect him to contribute much. He's had a rough preseason. Uh, I do expect Javorius Allen to see plenty of opportunities as a pass catcher out of that backfield, but this feels like Collins' job, and, and that's the way they're they're treating him. I think he had one carry in that third preseason game before they sat him down and and gave Dixon and the other guys plenty of work. Yeah, he got the treatment of a starting running back. For sure. I, I do agree with you that Buck Allen could, could see plenty of touches and perhaps even work himself into a role that becomes useful to dynasty owners, but that doesn't necessarily hurt 
Alex Collins, Matt. What do you think about Collins and, and his potential to be that running back two for dynasty owners through the end of 2018? I, I've really come around on Collins. I, I was maybe a hater of him, you know, last season and, and this season, but they, they didn't really do anything. They didn't bring anybody in really. And the offensive line's getting healthier. Marshall Yonda, you know, probably future Hall of Famer is gonna be back. So uh I, I was kind of hanging on to Kenneth Dixon a little bit earlier in the offseason, but like Ryan said, he's done basically nothing. Buck Allen is a talented pass catcher, so maybe maybe kind of limits Collins uh, PPR upside a little bit. But Collins I think showed showed you know well enough in the passing game last season that he's gonna get uh, you know some receptions himself too, and and so I, I think the risk of of him not doing not not lasting the entire season, or maybe not you know continuing to hold the job in 2019, is kind of baked into his ADP a little bit. Getting him in the sixth round as running back 28, you know, I, I don't think you're uh, you're spending too much there, even if it's just a one year fix for your for your for your dynasty roster. So um, I'm I'm on board the the Collins train this year. I do think he's going to hold on to it the entire year. I am as well, Matt. I'm wondering which Ravens pass catcher that that dynasty train you're you're on this year because it's it's not a real exciting group of receivers in Baltimore between Michael Crabtree and and John Brown and Willie Sneed and, and that group of of tight ends including Hayden Hurst which guy do you want on your rosters going forward I, I think the safe guy is Crabtree. I think he's going to get the touchdowns. But the guy who I'm really interested for when we, when we consider price in this is, is John Brown. I've been a big fan of his his entire career. He's out of uh, uh, the heat and stuff that kind of exacerbated that sickle cell trait that he has. Uh, so I'm looking for him to be uh, a, a big contributor this year. You know, I think he meshes well with what Joe Flacco does well, and uh, he showed well again this 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 preseason. So I'm, I'm excited about John Brown. Uh, Willie Sneed is a little bit interesting there, um, but uh, not nearly as much as John Brown is to me. Yeah, Brown is the guy that I point to as well. Of course, we've seen all those reports coming out of Baltimore from those beat writers, Ryan, saying Brown has been the star of of OTAs and then the star of training camp. We've seen some flashes in these preseason games. Is there a guy that you want on your dynasty rosters going forward out of Baltimore? Like Matt said, Crabtree is is the safe guy. He's got a, a... a wide receiver one finish in his career, a couple wide receiver two finishes. So I, I do think he's safe. I think he's um, the top target in this offense. The other three guys I I actually like quite a bit based on their value. Uh, Brown, Sneed, and even Hayden Hurst are all still relatively cheap, uh, especially Sneed, who I haven't given up on yet. Uh, I'm really pulling for Brown, uh, obviously a talented player and, and a tons of upside. But he's got injury concerns beyond that that sickle cell trait, and um, I, I I do worry about that. So I would be hesitant to spend much on him, especially with with this training camp hype, and then him go down with another injury. You know, a guy you mentioned that you're you're a fan of John Brown. I I've be I've coming around a little bit on Hayden Hurst since we all raised an eyebrow to Hurst being selected in the first round of the NFL draft. I've I've watched him throughout the preseason. I'm intrigued. I know there's that injury concern now. Uh, I could see. I know he's an older guy for us dynasty owners and things like that. But I could see a path to him becoming very dynasty relevant. I've come around on him just a little bit. So he's been an intriguing guy for me. Let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals guy. One of one of the guys that is most perplexing to me in the dynasty game, Ryan, has been Joe Mixon over the last 
year and a half since he was drafted by the Bengals. You and I have talked about it many times, Matt, as well, about how it's hard to trust that Cincinnati Bengals front office and that that uh, that team in general. What do you think Joe Mixon's dynasty ADP will be in January following the season? It's currently at number 20 overall. Uh, he He's a tough one, you know. Um <laughs> You left me speechless, Dan. Uh, I mean, I think he's a guy that most people would point to as being overvalued, over overrated right now. Looking at his ADPs, he's RB twelve in our data, and I think there's just too many, too many guys behind him that I could see passing him if he doesn't live up to that hype. So I have a hard time seeing his ADP uh, increase or grow from here. So. If it if it's twenty now, I'll, I would say it would be twenty nine, following the season, something like that. A, a a dip, but not a major dip. Yeah, and that could involve a relatively productive season. Is the worst part that that number of twenty seems almost ridiculous to me. It just doesn't fit the player in what we saw in twenty seventeen. Matt, I'm I've been a fan of Joe Mixon in the past. I I think there's a lot of talent there. Again. I'm not a huge fan of that Cincinnati front office or or that coaching staff or, or what they put on the field r- regularly uh, for the Bengals. What do you think of Mixon's ADP currently and how, how how can it go up or down over the next few months? I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic with Mixon, but even then I don't think – so, so I think he probably has the one of the largest range of outcomes. I think he could either be kind of a top, you know, 10-ish back, top top five to 10 back um, next off season, or he could dip like Ryan said. I'm gonna, but I'm, but I'm gonna remain optimistic. But even even if he has a good season, I just don't think he has that much room to rise with all of the other talented players that we have there. Um, I mean, we saw uh, Hunt have a truly special season last year, and, and he's only he's he's 12th overall. So if mixing that 20, you know, there's just not that much room there. Maybe if he has a special season season like like uh, hunt did he gets to like the 15 range uh but I, I don't see him cracking that top 12 cracking that first round at all even even with a really standout season there so um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say he's gonna go up rather than down but it, but not too much yeah i don't i don't see a lot of room to go up you would need a massive season for sure and giovanni bernard is in place there quick answer guys which pass catcher outside of aj green do you want on your dynasty roster Matt, we'll start with you. John Ross, 139 ADP. Tyler Boyd, 195, or Tyler Eifert, 169. It's probably dumb, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Ross. He had a, a couple of splash plays this preseason and has looked good. If he's if he's healthy, then he's probably gonna do something and uh, might increase his value a little bit based on that pedigree and, and a performance in 2018. Um, but uh, I don't really want any of these guys to be honest. I don't want any of these guys either. I'm going to take Tyler Eifert, and it kills me to say it because I've said I've gotten off that hype train so many times in the past. But like you said, it seems like if if he's on the field, he's going to make an impact. He's going to catch some touchdowns if he's on the field. I guess that's that's worth something. Ryan, who do you want of this group? I still have doubts about Ross and Eifert's health. Um, and in a situation like this where I don't necessarily love any of the options, I'm probably just going to take the cheapest. That's Boyd, so that's who I'll go with. One of my favorite teams to talk about in Dynasty is the Cleveland Browns. We've all been watching them on Hard Knocks, and we've all seen all the 
all the changes they've made, especially among the skill positions, Ryan, I want to know, this is a really intriguing question. It's one of my favorite ones I've put on this whole series of four weeks that we've done. Which Brown makes the biggest jump in Dynasty ADP over the 2018 season? Jarvis Landry, currently 36th in ADP. Josh Gordon at 50. Nick Chubb at 52. David Njoku at 91, Carlos Hyde at 100, Baker Mayfield at 153, or Antonio Callaway all the way down at 173. Yeah, this this is a fun question for sure. I guess it I guess it depends on how you judge the jump. Um, if if we're just going straight number of spots increased, then of course that would eliminate some of the guys at the top. If you're looking at maybe a, a percentage of the climb. That might balance things out. But regardless, I'm going to go with David Njoku at 91. Um, we're already pretty much valuing him based, based on his upside. And I think if he shows anything in 2018, which judging by preseason and, and training camp, he certainly could. Uh, he could he could move way up into that, uh, essentially where we're seeing Zach Ertz go now. So in that, you know, 40 to 60 range, depending on the month. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing, and Joku was my answer as well. I could see him making a big leap. Matt, who do you choose? Uh, I think I'm going to go Callaway just because he has the most room to increase. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a mirror image to Ryan's answer about the Bengals. He doesn't like any of them, so take the cheapest. Here I like them all, so I'll, I'll take the cheapest, right? Um, so I'm going to go Callaway here. Is, is, has the most opportunity to move up if we're talking straight numbers. I really think there's also the opportunity for Baker Mayfield to make a huge jump as well. We could see him uh, mid-season and, and make an impact. Uh, he seems like an electrifying both personality and on-field presence. And if that comes to light and, and happens mid-season, we could see him move up draft boards as well. Final question here tonight, fellas, at least as it pertains to one team. Quick answer, if Josh Gordon plays 16 games, Matt, this season, where does he finish among PPR wide receivers? I think that he's already not going to play 16 games. I think he's probably not playing week one. I mean, that news is already already out there. But if he plays 15 games, I'll say I'll say the the absolute best he, we're going to see from him is kind of a, a late wide receiver two, high wide receiver three. If we're just talking year end numbers. Okay, what I saw was he's going to play but not start. Maybe that's changed since I, I wrote the question. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm kind of in that same range as Matt. Uh, I think probably the ceiling is, is wide receiver 21. That was my kind of my guess. I, I have a man. I thought I was down on Josh Gordon, but I, I really feel like if he plays 16 games, he can be the wide receiver 10. He he could really do it. I thought I was down on him. Maybe I'm higher on him than I thought I should be buying Josh Gordon quickly guys. Ryan, who wins the AFC North this year? The Steelers. Yeah, I think the Steelers as well. Matt, is it a sweep? Yeah, they, they just have too much talent as the Steelers. Who do you got for the MVP, Matt? I hate doing going back to the best, just the best player, but I don't know how you say Antonio Brown isn't the fantasy MVP with all of his wide receiver one overall finishes. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Steelers as well, but I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell. It's a pretty easy one as well. I really feel like, and we've talked about it in the past, that they're going to run him into the ground. They're going to use him and use him and use him. He's going to catch a lot of balls and run the, run the ball a lot, and that's going to turn into dynasty heaven for dynasty owners. Ryan, who do you have? Yep, I had Le'Veon Bell as well. 
Okay, so this podcast is over. We've covered all four divisions in both conferences over the last four weeks. Next week, we're going to do our annual prediction episode, so make sure to tune in for that. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next